Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode 240. And today we're back with another episode of our Rut Radio mini-series in which we are hearing from hunters all across the country about the deer behavior that's happening right now, the conditions, the activity that folks are seeing, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And we are back here today for our weekly mini-series that we like to call Rut Radio. And on this show, every Wednesday, we try to get you the the most recent and up-to-date intel on what's happening in the whitetail world across the country. So I've got this friend, he's got a big beard and a low voice, and I send him out each week to talk to people across the country in different states to hear what's happening. And that big bearded, low voice friend is Spencer Newharth. How are you, buddy? I am doing good. That's uh, the first time you've introduced me that way, but I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to try to keep everyone on their toes. Um, so so you did just that, what I just mentioned. You uh, chatted with some folks already this week. Maybe you've got a call or two still to do. Um, so I know we're going to get some reports from other folks, but do you have any kind of report yet? Uh, I, I don't have much of a report, no. I uh, have been hunting a little bit more now since we hit October. I hit it pretty hard at the beginning of September, took a little hiatus, and now I am back in the zone and I'm, I'm back in getting some tree stand time in but not a whole lot of action so far I've been seeing some younger bucks uh, quite a few does but nothing that that gets me super excited the the biggest thing that I've done now is pretty much all of my cams have been taken off of what they were doing this summer and they're all looking at scrapes kind of like we discussed last week yeah, it's hard to beat that. That's that's what all my cameras are on too. So so on a scale of one to ten, what would you say the deer movement has been so far in South Dakota, Spencer? It's it's been solid, I think, here lately. Uh we've had some cooler weather. There's been quite a bit of precipitation, uh, and there's also kind of been a, a delay in harvest. So things overall have just been consistent and steady. And I tend to think that that helps uh kind of pattern deer better so if i was going to say a scale of one to ten maybe like a seven or so 
How about you okay. in uh, Michigan? Because you've gotten quite a few sits in here lately. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's been kind of an interesting week in that we've had very – it's been like seesaw weather. We've had, like, really nice cold weather, cool and kind of rainy weather, and then the next day will be, like, 80 degrees. And then the next day it's, like, 55 degrees and cool and nice again. And then two days later it's 85. So it's been back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I personally haven't seen a ton – of activity. Um, I spent a couple nights just observing, was out hunting last night, and it was super slow. It was really warm. Um, and there was also, I think, some people um, harvesting apples on a neighboring property or, or something like that. There was a whole bunch of commotion on a neighboring property. Um, so I would say the activity here has maybe been kind of five-ish. It's going to be kind of average. There's been some better days. There's been some not-so-good days. Uh, but I do see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I know this is something that I'm sure you're going to talk about and the rest of our uh, our guests today are going to be talking about, but there is this pretty significant, or very significant, I would say, cold front pushing across the country that's going to hit me here in Michigan on Thursday, and I think that's going to be pretty good. Are you seeing the same thing for you? Yeah. Uh, so this week on the podcast, we talked to Caleb Simon from Simon Brothers Outdoors in Ohio. Then we have Tyler Jones in Texas from the Element Podcast. Then we talked to Brett Joy from Parallel 43 in New Hampshire. Then we go to Illinois and from bowhunting.com is Justin Czar. And all of those people touched on this, uh, just like you said, the approaching weather front that we're getting. And, and much of the cold or much of the Midwest uh, is experiencing cold front. And then like where I'm at in the Great Plains, um, we're having some change in weather as well. Right now it's kind of cold and it's snowy and rainy. But that's going to break as well this weekend. And so everybody is optimistic that there are going to be some good deer that hit the ground this weekend. Yeah, you know, it it is mid-October, so there's always that worry that that's going to slow things down. But I think this is a really nicely timed front to to keep the action going. So I'm excited about it. I'm going to hunt Thursday when that front hits and, and hopefully Friday too. Um, and we'll go not to my very best spots that I would hold off on until the rut, but I'll go to some better areas, um, and see what we can do. So I am looking forward to it. Are you going to be hunting the front too? I'll be hunting it. Yeah. And I, I think a, a good example of how optimistic people are is like Justin's are in Illinois. Um, he is someone who is very calculated when it comes to deer hunting pressure and when you hunt mornings and when you hunt bedding and stuff like that. And he said he's going to be doing some morning setups this weekend with the cold front, which for a lot of people, this is maybe a little bit early in the season, but that's, uh, you know, shows you how excited people are about this cold front coming through. And it lines up really nicely with like Friday, Saturday when people are getting out of work and, uh, should get some time in the woods. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I'm probably not going to hunt mornings myself yet, but I certainly would not fault someone for doing it because there are going to be some really nice cold temperatures here Friday morning, Saturday morning. Um, For us here in Michigan, I think I saw it it might not even get out of the 40s for the whole day. So that's pretty darn good for October 12th or whatever it's going to be. So Mark Kenyon reporting a uh, a 8 maybe for my 1 to 10 scale looking forward over the next week. I think it is going to be good. Um, I don't know. I, every time I ask you about the one to 10 scale or I say the one to 10 scale, it makes me kind of giggle. I'm not sure why, but (laughs) (laughs) I like stealing your line. Um, so I guess with that said, is there anything else that you want to touch on here at the beginning before we do get to those, um, those contributors? 
Uh, I, I don't think so. Let's uh, touch base again next week and see if that eight was a correct call by you or not. Fingers crossed. Before we get to our first update, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Blake Farah, a land specialist out of Texas. And Blake is going to be telling us about what a potential buyer should be looking for in properties in states like Texas and Oklahoma. You know, I think that it's probably pretty much the same answer no matter where you go, even if it's outside of Texas. You know, the, the main three things I'm looking for in a piece of property, you know, to translate to, you know, as big a whitetail as you could possibly grow in the region really is you got to have good food, you got to have good water, and you got to have good cover. And, you know, the different regions of Texas offer a variety of those different type of categories. But at the end of the day, if you get a property that has a really good diversity of those three things, and has a good balance of all three of those things, you're going to have just an outstanding hunting property. And it's going to hunt differently depending on which region in Texas, obviously, that you're in. But at the end of the day, if it's got those three things, you absolutely can't go wrong. I'd say the one other key factor that I would also plug in there, specifically related to Texas, is the fact that, you know, the land is going to hunt much larger in Texas, I would say, than maybe other different parts of the nation. Um, You've got a lot larger pieces of property. The deer's you know, range, how far they're going to travel is probably a lot bigger. Um, and so, you know, these places aren't necessarily, a, you might find a honey hole here and there, but at the end of the day, you're going to have a lot bigger country to hunt. And, and that translates to the size of the neighbors that you're hunting around you, how cooperative you are with them, that kind of thing. That's really going to translate to the good huntability of a property and overall age structure of the deer, which is probably the most important factor. If you'd like to learn more, And to see the properties that Blake currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Farah. That's F-A-R-R-A-R. All right, and joining us on the line first is Caleb Simon from Simon Brothers Outdoors in Ohio. Now, Caleb, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, Right now, I'd say the buck activity is about a 4. If you have beans that are still green, you got alfalfa, clover, food plot, chicory, something of that nature. Uh, you're going to have some uh, some good hunts. There's been some guys killed some real nice deer in the state over that kind of stuff. But if you don't have that, you don't have acorns, uh, hunting's going to be pretty rough. You guys have been experiencing a little bit of a heat wave here lately, haven't you? Yeah, I'd say probably the hottest October it's ever been. And so you think that's really suppressed movement then as well? Uh, last light, right at dusk. Uh, there's been a lot of guys seeing some deer, but during the day, especially early evening, it's still 75, 80 degrees. The other day it was almost 90. Uh, the deer activity is real down. You brought up food sources a little bit before. Uh, what's the crop status like in much of Ohio right now? Uh, right now, uh, farmers are taking off the beans, at least where I'm at here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, most of the beans are coming off. If someone put them in late, you know, there's some no-till going on. Uh, those beans are still green, like I touched on before. Uh, those beans are getting hit pretty hard. Uh, the corn right now is turning. No one's really started harvesting yet. There's been some silage cutting, some chopping going on, but most of the cornfields are still standing. And how will that change things for you guys once more of those crops start to come out? Uh, as soon as the corn comes off, which usually farmers will start taking it off end of October, early November, which coincides with the rut pretty well, corn will no doubt be the hottest spot uh, you can be on. By that time, the brassicas aren't quite ready. Uh, your clover plots are all burned out from this heat, and that's where I would be. Uh, beans will be off by then. Um, everything else will be pretty standstill. 
For the time being, though, it sounds like you're focusing on acorns. How does this year's mass crop compare to other years in Ohio? Uh, the mass crop's pretty good. I know a lot of guys, uh, if they have acorns, which it's spotty around here, if you have them, you're in a, you're in a good situation. If you don't have them, uh, you're in a world of hurt. But the acorns are dropping. Uh, fruit trees, most of them are doing pretty good. So if you have apples, uh, something of that nature, uh, those are, it's been a real good year for that as well. What are you finding for sign making to this point? Uh, there are some uh, rubs popping up, uh, nothing too big. Uh, a lot of it is on uh, trails entering and exiting food sources. Uh, our trail cameras are showing that deer really aren't coming back to them, so they're not really sign post rubs yet. They're just kind of being made spur of the moment. Um, there are some scrapes popping up. I know a lot of guys in the suburbs are finding scrapes. They're a little bit more active than us out here in the farm uh, territory, but the scrapes with uh, cameras on them, hit or miss. Um, not a lot of scent marking going on, just deer checking them out. Maybe a buck makes them, continues on. Mock scrapes haven't really heated up yet just because of the weather, I would assume. Were you guys doing any calling this early in the season when it comes to grunts, storeys, or any kind of rattling? Not not our group right now. Maybe, just maybe, if you have some deer out in the field eating, uh, you know, last light type situation, and they're clicking their horns together, maybe you'll click the horns together a little bit, but... No grunt calls, no bleeding, nothing of that nature going on yet. How about with moon phases as we enter mid-October? Do you feel like that affects deer movement at all in Ohio? Um, some people swear by it, others don't. Um, you know, I've read some recent studies where people are saying that the moon phases do not correlate at all. Uh, some of the other guys that have bigger names will say that it does matter. Uh, me personally, I don't pay too much attention to the moon. I pay more attention to pressures and either rising or falling temperatures. That's going to be the key right now, I feel. And so when you talk about the, the rising and falling pressure, what are you looking for in, in mid-October as far as getting those bucks on their feet? Uh, I want to see a 15-degree temperature drop. I want to see pressures over 30, maybe 30.1, 30.2. I want to see a big weather shift. It doesn't have to be drastic. It doesn't have to get terribly cold. You just want to see a change in the weather from really hot to mediocre, from mediocre to really cold, something of that nature, maybe a storm front moving in. That will really help this time of year. Uh, we've had a lot of rain, but uh, it's been warm rain, so there hasn't been a much much in the way of change as far as the weather goes, unfortunately. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Ohio? Uh, right now I'd say the buck activity is going to go from a 4 to later this week to a 6, maybe 7. Uh, there's going to be some guys that are going to kill some deer this weekend because we got temperatures going from the 80s and 90s down to the 50s and 60s. Uh, lows in the 40s, they're talking about a possible frost. It's going to hit right on Friday when everyone's getting off work. So if you're in Ohio this weekend, I'd be in a tree stand if I could because it's going to be as good as it's been all year. All right, Caleb, thanks for joining me, and good luck to you and your brothers this year. No problem. Thank you very much. All right, and joining us on the line next is Tyler Jones from the Element Podcast in Texas. Now, Tyler, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, about a week and a half ago, it was really starting to ramp up, and I'd say probably, you know, 5 to 6. Um, but we've had a lot of humid and hot weather, low 90-degree temps, and uh, that pretty much shuts them off since most of them have got their winter coat on at this point. And uh, uh, honestly, the last week, it's been probably a one. It's been pretty rough. Now, around a lot of the country, we've heard about uh, a lot of 
the the massive acorn crop that's hitting the ground. Is that something you're dealing with there in eastern Texas? Sure, yeah, we deal with that every year. We've got a bunch of swamp oaks and willow oaks that put off uh, little tiny orange acorns every year, you know, in a bunch, in a bunch of them. Uh, so that's something we, we're used to dealing with is heavy acorn crop. Where, we, where we've actually seen probably a difference is uh, our Schumard oaks, which are a red oak that put off a big acorn, um, have been, uh, last year was a banner year for them, and so this year is not nearly what it was. So it's definitely changed up our strategy this year in, in October, especially those bigger acorns that you just talked about. Is that something that you can plan on like clockwork that if one year they're great, the next year they're not going to be very good. Um, well, I don't have a whole lot of historical background with those type of trees, um, maybe a couple of years. So it's hard to tell. Um, but I do know that that second week or so in October, uh, where we're at kind of right now, um, was, uh, definitely, I mean, they were keying in hard. I mean, they're, they're pretty close to the size of a white oak acorn and, uh, extremely preferential, I'd say after seeing what I saw last year. So I would think that, you know, going into this year, my plan was that in the first part of October, I would definitely be hunting those trees, but they just didn't produce this year. Now, I know you're in the, uh, heart of dairy country there. Um, what's it like, or what are some of your strategies for hunting some of those active cattle farms? Yeah, um, we we have a lot of a lot of cattle. We don't have many corn or beans like a lot of the country has. So um, you definitely, um, you know, we're a bait state, so you, you have the opportunity to either have a feeder or throw corn out on the ground, um, and so that's that's helpful. But if you've got cows around, you're going to probably have more of a headache than anything dealing with corn. So uh, focusing on on acorn trees is definitely something um, that can be done this time of year. Uh, and I would say, you know your best option is if you're hunting an active farm to uh, stay away from the cattle side of things and stay more in the, the hay production side of things. So if you can find those uh, permissions that have, that have no cows on them because they're in hay production, uh, I tend to see more deer on those pieces of acreage. You're far enough inland where those hurricanes maybe don't touch you guys, but you'll still experience that heavy precipitation uh, in mid-October like this, if, if you do get a much of rain, how do you see that change deer movement? Yeah, I mean, if if we get a hurricane um, in our area, uh, it turns out to be a lot of rain usually because we're, we're still pretty close to the coast. We get a lot of humidity, which in, in my opinion, like I said earlier, with the them putting their winter coat on at this point, most of the deer have it on. Um, you know, the humidity really does shut them down. They don't like to sit there and, and be hot. And uh, so... Um, after a rain, it's a lot like other places in the country, I'm sure, where um, you're going to get deer movement increased after a heavy rain because they've been kind of holed up all night and uh, they're ready to get active again. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, with a with a hurricane tends to come a lot of wind. Therefore, um, you know, our hackberry trees that we have a lot of and our bodark trees that we have a lot of, they're going to they're going to shed some leaves and especially the boat arcs. I've noticed that deer will really come out and try to hammer on those leaves and those limbs that have fallen, uh, that they couldn't reach before. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Texas? Well, uh, you know, looking at a week and a half ago and seeing the movement we had there with a good cold front. And then, um, coming out of this week where we've seen, 
hardly any movement, even just locally driving the roads and stuff. Um, we've got a cold front coming in uh, today, and it's supposed to drop quite a bit. I think um, I would expect that we see similar movement as we saw in late September, uh, especially coming out of this kind of lull period uh, that we've had. So I'm pretty excited. I would think, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would have to rate that we're probably going to see a, a 5 or 6 uh, in movement um, and building it to the rut, hopefully. All right, Tyler, well, good luck to you and KC from the Element Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Spencer. I appreciate it a lot, man. All right, and joining us on the line next is Brett Joy in New Hampshire. Now, Brett, in New Hampshire, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say it's probably a 5 or a 6. Um, the deer aren't moving typically very far from their beds during daylight, but they are moving a bit. It's probably dependent mostly on, on cold fronts or, or weather conditions. Um, so, yeah, it's about a five or six, I'd say, um, right now. I know in the past when I've talked to you that uh, acorns have always been a subject that we've covered. What is the acorn crop like in New Hampshire this year? Actually, this year is a little bit different. It's actually a pretty poor mass crop all around, both soft and hard mass. So not many apples, acorns, beech nuts, or, or any of that. Um, so it changes changes it a little bit um if you can find acorns you're going to be in, in good shape especially if that's tight to bedding cover um but if there if there are no acorns in the area then um early succession growth or brown starts to play a bigger factor than it has in the past at this time of year and so does any uh hay fields or agriculture we have very little agriculture but we do have some hay field um hay fields so um those are actually drawing deer uh to a significant degree right now so um People that are focusing on that, those uh, other things, or finding those isolated pockets of acorns or mass um, are, you know, getting into the deer pretty good and having some pretty good success. So are your setups a little bit different this season then? Are you uh, focusing on those field edges a little more then with the, the lack of acorns? Yep, absolutely. I haven't been out a ton. just had a ability, but I have um, been out a few times, and uh, all my sets have been on food plots or hay fields, actually. Um, I, one of my buddies actually killed a really good buck, I think, a few nights back, and he was sitting in a transition between a bedding area and a swamp and a hayfield. He had pictures of that buck coming into that hayfield at last light. Um, that was a great deer, a really big deer from New Hampshire. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the name of the game right now. Um, they're not moving far from bedding still. That that's not doesn't really change. It's just that they're having to move a little more, and they're a little more uh, concentrated on the food sources. Typically, there's acorns everywhere, so they don't really have to move very far bedding is food and it's all the same and just kind of having to stand up walk 10 yards eat and lay back down type of deal so i'd say the the movement's more uh, defined this year um and they're having to move a little bit further they're still not doing a ton during daylight but um it's a little better than i would say it normally is are you seeing any sign making in the woods yet as far as rubs or scrapes go starting to see a little but really not that much um I'm kind of gauging that by a couple of big primary scrapes that usually turn on oh, at some point in October. Um, they really haven't at this point. Just seen a few small rubs pop up, um, really no scraping activity. Um, although I have got I got a couple pictures the other night on a food plot of a couple of the bucks I'm after, one of the, the big old one in particular, and then another four or five-year-old sparring. So um, I think that as, you know, the, October develops, and as we start to get some cooler weather, it's going to start to pick that activity up in the next you know couple weeks. 
the lack of sign making then and the lack of acorns that seems like it might change where you're putting your trail cameras right now uh, so what is your trail camera strategy as we get into mid-october here yeah actually the scrapes that i usually run them on have been pretty dead um oaks as well for the most part um so really right now i have most of mine on food plots and on field edges um i have some on edges of cuts as well any transition line um so it's a bit more of a challenge but it seems like those hay fields and those food plots are really heating up i think i had uh, last week in particular it was all after dark for the most part but i had five different mature bucks on a little you know eighth of an acre uh, clover plot in the middle of timber um so that's pretty significant to have that concentration of mature deer in one area. So really those, those other uh, alternative food sources, if you will, are really drawn deer in at this point. You've said a few times now that the, the bed to feed pattern is pretty tight for the time being. Does that mean you're, we're a little ways mm-hmm. off uh, from where you would be hunting some mornings? I actually, for the most part, yes. Although I did hunt a morning a few mornings ago because I had a real high pressure day with cold temps. It was down in the thirties. And actually, the buck I was after, I had him moving um, in conditions like that early season in the past two years. So I went and I didn't see him, but um, you know that was enough to you know, that historical pattern was enough to push me into that area to go hunt him. But typically, I'm not hunting morning, so no, I would say that most of the time they're probably on their belly, um, you know, by shooting light. Of course, there's exceptions to that, but yeah, in general, I would say that a little more to go in uh, on mornings unless you have some reason to, other than you know the standard so going forward then this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in new hampshire i would say it's probably going to be pretty close to the same i think we're probably still a couple weeks away till we get that you know real strong pre-red activity of late october um i still think it's going to be food source and cold front dependent so i think we're kind of in a stage where yeah it's going to ramp a bit i'd say scraping and rubbing but i don't think it's going to really get going crazy for maybe another two weeks but we should see it slowly start to build as we get as october goes along all right brett well good luck in the northeast thanks for joining me thank you spencer all right and joining us on the line now is justin czar from bowhunting.com in illinois now justin in illinois what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten I'm going to give it a four. Early in the season, we've had some warm weather here. We've had a lot of rain, wind. Um, I think overall it's kind of kept deer movement down a little bit. Um, seems like the younger bucks are up and moving around in daylight, but you know, sightings as well as trail camera activity of the bigger deer is, I don't want to say non-existent, but pretty sporadic during, during daylight hours anyways. Now, I, I know you run trail cameras pretty much all year. Uh, how does your trail camera strategy change once we hit early to mid-October? Sure. Um, every Not every camera, but the majority of my cameras right now are getting moved onto scrapes, um, usually along food source edges. Um, so during the summer, I like to keep them you know, on green food for the most part. Um, so they're close to where they've been all summer long, but as those scrapes, really start to open up. I like to move my cameras onto them. They seem to be the most consistent uh, source for trail camera data through throughout October. How about hunting on scrapes? Will you focus on those for setups or is it more just to get inventory of bucks with your trail camera? I think it depends on the scrape for me anyways. You know, I think there's a lot of scrapes that pop up, you know, on field edges and places, the, the likely places. A lot of times they get made and never touched again. So they're not always the best places to hunt. 
But if you, you know, traditionally have some history maybe on a piece of property or you find a community scrape that's maybe tucked into some cover somewhere, uh, I'll definitely key in on those scrapes, you know, specifically in mid-October when we get some cooler weather. You talked about food sources a little bit earlier. Um, What are deer keying in on right now? Big agriculture yet, or has it been a shift to the acorns right now? Yeah, I think they've been in the acorns for a while. We've had a great crop here in Illinois this year, so I think they've been hitting acorns probably since September, to be honest with you, Uh, and they're still falling. So definitely seeing a lot of sign around that. As far as, you know, ag fields, I'm still seeing a lot of deer on green. A lot of our green food plots are doing really well, so like our clover, chicory, alfalfa type stuff are still getting just absolutely hammered right now. So that's where we've been focusing a lot of our attention. Now, a lot of the Midwest, I think you guys included, has gotten a lot of rainfall here uh, in September and October. Yeah. Um, how has that changed things for deer patterns for you guys or, or maybe affected food sources? Um, well, I think more than anything, it's going to keep the crops in the fields a little bit longer. I know the, the farmers were working hard through most of September trying to get the stuff out, and then we've got this real rainy weather that's hit here lately. So it's definitely going to delay things uh, for a while, I think, you know, specifically I'm mostly concerned about the corn, right? The beans is great because they can still hunt the beans when they're in, but when the corn's up, you know, it makes things a little bit more difficult. I don't know that it's necessarily going to change the way that I hunt per se. Um, I know the deer, I mean, even with the acorns and the green, the deer are still hitting the corn fields pretty hard, at least on the properties that I hunt. A lot of sign in the corn fields, which can be frustrating uh, as a hunter because it's uh, they're difficult to hunt. But uh, I also like when the corn's up because it does allow me some better access in and out of my spots uh, because you can hide, you know, in those cornfields to get in and out. Whereas when that corn comes down, I've got a few areas that are more difficult to get into. So it's kind of a a blessing and a curse both. I know you're very particular about uh, pressuring deer. And so you're probably not hunting any mornings yet, but when will that shift happen for you when you'll start hunting some mornings? Uh. Honestly, I'll probably hunt this coming weekend. We've got what I'm considering our first really good cold front of October coming through. We've had a few minor little dips in temperature, but nothing like what we're getting ready to see here this weekend. So I'll probably hunt both Saturday and Sunday morning. Um, I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive than I usually do on probably one of my properties. Um, And if I blow something out, I blow it out. I guess I'll go hunt one of my other pieces. But I figured with this Good temperatures that are coming, good weather conditions. I'm going to press my luck a little bit. You sound optimistic. So what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Illinois in this coming week or so? I think we'll probably ramp up to a 5 or 6 at least. I mean, it's still early. I don't want to get my hopes too high. Uh, But with that first cold front, I mean, good cold front. I mean, we're talking temperatures today here in Illinois. It's 80 in the 80s. Uh, two days from now, we're going to be struggling to get out of the 50s with temperatures well down into the 30s at night, which we haven't seen yet. So I'm anticipating some some better buck movement. Uh, it's not the rut yet. It's not even really the, the pre-rut yet. We're kind of the pre-pre-rut, so you don't want to get your hopes up too much. But, man, that first good cold snap of the year usually puts a few deer on their feet. Uh, and i got to imagine that we'll see some bucks uh, going down here this weekend. All right, Justin, good luck to you and everyone else at bowhunting.com and bowhunter.die. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks, Beth. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Haunts Rut Radio. Thanks to Caleb, Tyler, Brett, and Justin for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. 
Make sure you're following Wired to Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow me at Spencer Newharth and at Rutfresh on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Good luck to everybody with this approaching cold front and stay wired to hunt. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.